Hey, y'all. Man, I'm so happy to be here. It's been a long time since uh, I've been able to fellowship with you guys. So uh, my wife and I and my daughter, we moved here, I think it was like 2013, I think, something like that. And um, we came here. I was a part of a church plant back in St. Louis, and we came here to just kind of do life with Life Church, do life with Life Church a little bit. And, and um, as I was driving back, I heard the Lord said, this is where you're supposed to be. And I said, Lord, how does that work if I'm coming to be a part of a church plant? And now you're saying I have to be at the church that we're coming to hang out with. So I called Dan. I said, hey, man, I feel like God is calling me to be here. And if you know anything about Dan, um, he he doesn't coach you to to do something you don't hear from God. He, he challenges you hear from God. And um, at fast forward, we moved here. I moved here. I didn't have a house. We didn't have a job. I didn't. I just got rid of everything. And literally on the way here, we find a place. We find a job. I had three job offers, literally driving down 55. But that's just a testament of trusting God. We came here not for a job or anything. We just felt like what we needed was here in this house. Um, back in St. Louis, we have this ministry called Alive, A-L-I-V-E. And we were seeing all kind of miracles happening. And I didn't know what the heck was going on. Right. People were getting healed. Prostates were getting completely obliterated. Tumors were like coming out. And I'm like, what's going on? I didn't know what was happening. And I said, once he came, once we came here, God began to give us context for what we were doing there. I didn't know anything about Bill Johnson. I didn't know anything about Jesus culture. I didn't know anything about anything but black people. <laughs> that was a, you can you know, you can laugh. That's cool. If, if you didn't notice, I was a, I'm a black people. So, um, and, and then God began to do some framework. He do, began to do some things in our heart, and we came here and we served. We worked with the youth. It was such an amazing, it was so fun. Um, we had a lot of growth, and we had a lot of fun, and, and God forged a lot of great relationships. So I really honor Dan and Fee for allowing us to come and grow and make mistakes, and God is really good. So if you love Jesus, do me a favor. Just clap your hands as loud as you can. And give him honor. And, So this is what I want to do. Uh, I, want, I want to start off with a joke because I like jokes. Um, that's how we roll, right? Um, here's the joke. A Minnesota couple decided to vacation in Florida during the winter. They planned to stay at a very, the very same hotel that they spent their honeymoon 20 years earlier. Because of the hectic schedules, it was difficult to coordinate their travel schedules. So the husband left Minnesota and flew to Florida on Thursday. His wife would fly down the following day. The husband checked into the hotel. There was a computer in his room, so he decided to send an email to his wife. However, he accidentally left out one letter in the email address, and without realizing his error, he sent the email. Meanwhile, somewhere in Houston, a widow has just returned home from her husband's funeral. He was a minister of many years who was called home to glory following a sudden heart attack. The widow decided to check her email, expecting messages from relatives and friends. After reading the first message, she fainted. The widow's son rushed into the room, found his mother on the floor, and saw the computer screen which, way, which read, To my loving wife. Subject, I have arrived. Date, May 16, 2003. I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now, and you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. I just arrived and have been checked in. I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival soon, tomorrow. 
Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope the journey is not as uneventful as mine. P.S. It sure is hot down here. <laughs> it's pretty funny to me. I'm like, I'm not checking any emails today from at all. So, I have a heart for the lost. I have a heart for the sick. I have a heart for the church at large. But I feel at some point in our journey as Christians, I feel like we may have missed it somewhere. Meaning that when we come to church, I think somewhere in our minds, we think that's it. We think that we gather just to gather. If you look at the seat next to you or the seat behind you, there's a vacancy. And not just because someone is in here, but the whole idea is that we come to church, but we come to church to get what we need and we go out to give what they need. That's the idea, but I do understand that we, in the 21st century church, we have begun, we've gotten comfortable with saying, I just want your presence. It's like watching a football game, and if you watch this football game, you saw the, the team, they go out and huddle, but then they all went and sat on the bench after the huddle. How would you feel about that? You're watching the TV, you're watching the screen, and you're like, okay, they're getting ready to make a play. They're huddling, they're talking about the execution, and after they're done, they go sit on the bench. I will be frustrated because I'm watching the game. Or if I paid uh, for a ticket, I will be frustrated because there's no execution. And what's happening in the churches across America, we huddle on Sundays and on Monday we go sit on the bench. And I'm saying this to provoke you, I'm not insulting you, I just want you to hear my heart and I want you to hear God's heart that this, the loss is so important that he left the 99 for one. Think about that. He left 99 to go get one. My head, I often wrestle with that idea to say, Lord, if you will leave 99 sheep, 99 people just for one soul, that's very important to him. No, I'm not saying gathering is wrong. I'm not saying that our Sunday morning gathering should not be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, and I believe in that, should not be filled with healing. I believe in that, should not be filled with prophetic words and utterances in the earth. I believe in that. But he heals you to heal people. He heals you to heal people. I often say it like this, that free people, free people. And if you have any level of freedom, the whole idea is to give that same freedom away. I can remember some years ago when we were here, they had a slogan, it was come to life and give life away. But so often we've got caught in the trap of going from point A to point B. What am I saying? We go to work. We do life with family and we go to church, but we never make time for the one. Here's my question. Outside of this room, how many people have you led to Jesus outside of church in the last month? Big question. Big question. You know, I'm often challenged in the scriptures. So many Christians, I believe it was like 25 or 30,000 people that gathered. They were with Jesus. And then Jesus says, you know what? I need to see how many people are really with me. He said, hey, hey guys. If you're really with me, drink my blood. They were like, no, I'm pretty full. I, I think I'm going to check out on this. The scripture talks about thousands left. Then he took it a step further. He was like, hey, go eat my flesh today. They were like, oh, I'm pescatarian. Like, I got to pass. They left. 
But here's what I love about the scripture. It didn't say that they weren't Christian. It just said that they were not following him. I need you to hear me. The disciples, the 12, they stayed, but the other ones left. Here's the thing. You can leave and be a Christian and come to church, check in, clock in, and make it to heaven. But that is not the goal. The goal is not to just make it to heaven. The big goal is to bring heaven here. But if we just move along to get along, we have missed the whole picture. That as we're trying to make it to heaven, there are thousands that can't. The scripture says that hell is enlarging itself every day. But it's my responsibility, church, it's our responsibility to hold. This is what we do. Our goal is to make hell empty and heaven full. That is, that is my goal, that should be your goal, but here's the deal. It doesn't matter, I try to make room in my day for one soul a week, two, two souls a week. Now that's, that's, that may be low, but if I know I have to be somewhere at 11 o'clock, I try to leave about 9.30, just so I can make time to look for the one. But here's the deal. I wanna take you to a story, it's about Jesus and the Samaritan woman. If you understand anything about this text, that Samaritans and Jews, they didn't connect. They didn't cross paths at all. John 4. You can read it later, but I just want to give you a synopsis of it. In John 4, Jesus, he's walking, but he had to go a ways away just to get to Samaritan. Can I submit something to you? Going after souls is very inconvenient. It's very inconvenient. It's very uncomfortable. But Jesus went out of his way to connect with this woman that didn't even know that she was going to meet him. The story goes, he's sitting on the well. She comes to him. They engage in conversation. She didn't know who he was, but he knew who she was. He changed her life. She went back, had a conversation in the community and said, hey, I need all of you to come see a man who knows all about me. One person the Bible talks about in John 4, because she went back, the Bible said our whole community was transformed. What if a whole community is tied to the one that you're supposed to reach? Today it's all about personal responsibility. A lot of times we gather and we can be so financially great that we don't think we need to evangelize. We can be in such a place in our lives where we feel like I have my own problems. I'll tell you a story really quick. I was in the shopping mall, as I often like to do. <sighs> a lot of my quiet time with Jesus, shopping somewhere in between H&M. And he speaks to me in, in the corridors of those places. And I was out of town, and I saw this gentleman. He had, his stomach was pretty large, but you knew it was something going on with his stomach. And I live by what you call the 10-second rule. Everybody say 10-second rule. The 10 second rule is this, you have 10 seconds, by the, from the time the Lord tells you to do something, you have 10 seconds to talk yourself out of. Every time that's how it works, when I do evangelism, I give myself 10 seconds and at the end of that 10 seconds, that clock runs out. This is how what goes on in my head. What if they don't receive it? What if it doesn't make sense? What if their heart is not in the right place? What if they call the police? What if I'm wrong? What if it just goes really bad? And by the time I've finished counting down, it's over, and then the next question, the next statement that goes in my mind is this. Okay, I missed it this time, but I promise the next time I'm gonna do it. But this particular time, I got the clock probably to like six seconds. I go up to the man, and I say, hey man, what's going on with you? 
He said, man, my stomach. I said, what's going on? He said, he said I have a tumor in my stomach. I said, oh, crap. I said, I wish I could have picked a headache. This is, this is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be something. But I prayed my prayer one day. I said, Lord, I need you to do this for me. I said, I need you to make me the foolish of them all. Now, that's a big prayer. He takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I said, Lord, I need you to make me the foolish of them all because one of the problems that I see in the 21st century church with all the glory and all the anointing and all the power that we have, we are very concerned with how we look. Image is everything. When we go out and I went to the guy, I'm like, okay, Lord, if I, this, this is very embarrassing. If this tumor doesn't do what it's supposed to do, people are looking at me. I'm in H&M in between Forever 21. You know, that's like a cluster deal right there. <laughs> so as I'm there, I said, hey, can I pray for you? He says, yes. I'm like, okay, cool. So now the guy, he takes his shirt and raises it above his head. I said, this is complete. I didn't sign up for this one. So... He raises his shirt above his head, stomach out, everything exposed. I'm six, seven, he's about five, nothing. That already looks weird. So I said, you know what, Lord, this is on you. You said, listen, you'll never put me to shame. You said signs and wonders follow them that believe. So I said, you know what, okay, let's do it. God, I pray right now, by the name of Jesus, that this man be healed. Guess what happens? He pukes up a tumor in between H&M and Forever 21. Let me, let me say that again to you. This guy that had a tumor pukes up a tumor in the shopping mall. I can read you scripture, which we have, but I can tell you firsthand that God uses a donkey to ride on, he can use you. It's like, we often say, God, I just, I want to see you do miracles. And my question to people like that, when is the last time you pray for somebody? I want to see the lost saved. When was the last time you led somebody to Jesus? You know, I often understand this concept that in the moment when we talk about evangelizing and being strong in evangelism, one thing, two things show up in the moment, fear and Jesus. But right in the moment, you have to serve one of them. I need you to hear this. I need you to wrestle with this in your heart. That the moment you're thinking about winning the loss and praying for the sick, two things show up. Holy Spirit, fear. But you bow to one of them in a moment. Which one do you choose? Which one have you chosen? If we look around in the room, our whole job is to come occupy and then give up our seat. Sunday mornings, we occupy and we make room for next week. We occupy and we make room for next week. Can you imagine? This room would probably be too small for what God wants to do in the people who are strong in winning the loss, who are strong in giving life away. But I'm submitting to you, we have to get over the fact that we feel like that's not for us. I hear it all the time, people say, well, that's not, that's not really me. That's not really what I, that's not something that I do. 
Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 through 14, beautifully paints this. It's in red, so you know it's from him. <laughs> he said, so his master said, go into the country lanes. Go behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come to the house so that it will be full. This is the job description. How many people are Christians in this room? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. How many people love Jesus? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Okay. Let me see. Do it again. Hold them up. Okay. Okay, cool. This is your job description. You ready? As you go, this is not a suggestion. Matthew 10, verse 7, this is not a suggestion. He says, as you go, here's your job description to everybody that raised their hand. Raise it again. Let me see it. Keep it high. No, 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 don't back out now. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven has come near you. He said, proclaim this message, heal the sick. Yes. This is your job. This is our job description. Heal the sick. Cleanse those who are dirty. This is for everybody who raised their hand. Drive out demons. Those exist. Those exist. Freely you have received. Freely you give. Let me say it again. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus the evangelist, when he came on the scene, that is the message that he preached. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I like to use practical, practical thoughts, and this is what I'm saying. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is a handshake away. Think, think about this. The kingdom of heaven is at, it's as close as a handshake. But how can they re receive the kingdom if we don't get close? If we're not relational with people that need Jesus, because it's easy to say, Oh, they need to come to Jesus. It's easy to say, Lord, give them a heart to come to you. You know, it's so funny. We pray like, God, bring in the lost. They're not coming. I've been in so many churches across America. And you're, God, bring in the harvest. She, she, she so eloquently communicated. Bring in the harvest. Oh, they're coming, Lord, bring in the souls. They don't even know where you are. They don't know how to get to you, but you know how to get to them. I don't care how old you are, whether you're a youth, whether you're a teenager, your school should be in trouble because you're there. Your job should be in trouble because you're there. Your businesses, the people that you affiliate with should tremble and be excited at the same time because you show up. But the only way the kingdom can advance if we advance it. You're the cool kid at school, but where are the souls? You dress great, you get them, but what do you do once you get them? There is a point in evangelizing where you can court an unbeliever, but you can't court them too long because then you begin to compromise. But I'm asking you, the people that you do life with at work, do they, yeah, they know you're a Christian, but have you told them about Jesus? Not about religion, not about what they shouldn't do, not about what they can't do, but about how much Jesus loves them. I know right now this is very, could potentially be uncomfortable because you're like, no, 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 I do this and I do this. I go here and I go here. 
I, 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 go to, I go to the Blue Goose, and I go here, and I go here. I'm here, and I'm here. But the whole time, I need to say this to you, the whole time that we're running to do ministry opportunities, we're passing by ministry opportunities. Please hear me. Oh, it's like, wait a minute, I'm rushing. I have to get to church. I have to get to church. God is like, I don't care about you getting to church if somebody's right here and I'm telling you to minister to them. Oh my God, I know this concept freaks people out of talking to people. Wait, I gotta, I gotta talk to people? Yeah, you do. But here's the deal. You have something to say. You have something to offer them that they've been hope. People are literally saying, listen, if I don't hear from God today, I, I don't wanna live anymore. If my life doesn't change, if I don't feel like there's a God, I just don't feel like I can exist anymore. But you have the answer to come into somebody and say, hey, I just want to come to you for some reason. I just want to tell you Jesus loves you. And you could save their life. Most people are like, evangelism, you know, you have those, you have Reinhard Bunke, you have all these amazing people, Stephen Coco. You have all these great people who've taken over nations and so relaxed about it. But then you're like... I mean, I, I just serve. God has called me to hospitality. He's called me to carry the offering. He's called me to, most people are like, you know what? In my vocation, in my, in my job, he's called me to be in accounting, and I'm just, I, I do my job as unto the Lord. That's your job. But your job happens when you clock out. That's when your kingdom responsibility kicks in. The moment you clock out, that's when you clock in. I can't remember what I just said. <laughs> it's from the Lord. The moment you clock out, you clock in. That's when your responsibility for the kingdom goes into effect. Yes, you do everything as unto the Lord. You do your work in excellence. You, you treat your coworkers with honor and respect. But when you leave, you're looking for the one. Can you imagine if everybody in this room began to get hungry for souls? No, think of, really think about this. Can you imagine if each one of us said, you know, I'm going to bring, I'm going to talk to one person this week and I'm going to invite them to church. I'm going to talk to one person this week and I'm going to jump out on a limb and I'm going to pray for a sick person. Can you imagine what this room would look like? Can you imagine what this room would be? Can you imagine about the glory of God that will come and begin to sweep over where people who are hungry for what he's hungry for? I don't understand. I don't think you understand the urgency in America for the lost Every week, pastors talk to the same people, encouraging them to win. God's going to use you. You see, I understand as we are in America, we're like, God, what have you called me to heal the sick? Most people are like, what is my purpose? Preach the gospel. I hear it all the time, especially talking to millennials, young adults. You hear it all the time. I don't know, I wonder what God has called me to do. Go pray for the leper. Why are you looking for purpose? You've already been purposed. I need you to understand the magnitude and the weight of the kingdom. He, and the biggest thing that I need you to get okay with is hearing people say no. 
But can I give you a crazy number? 87% of the people would accept Jesus if they were asked. That's a real number. 87% of people will accept Jesus and come to church if they are asked. Real number. What have you been doing? Better question, what have we not been doing? God has so much power, he's just waiting to disperse it to people that are crazy enough to use it. Why are you in the mall? Why are you in mommy and me? Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, in the connection with community and doing community, I have an idea that the church should not just be seen, it should be felt. There's a church on every corner. There's a, something happening on the curb. We see the church, but we don't feel it. But what if we just got nuts enough? Every person in this room would be possessed with the glory of God enough to where every day you were vigilant about winning the loss. I'll tell you the story. I was in, uh, again, I was in the mall, right? But different place. I was in a Disney store, not by myself. I'm 38. I had a kid with me, just so you know. It's okay. <laughs> I was in the Disney store. We're talking about being strong. You guys have been in this series, but the only way you get strong is something is that you practice. The only way you've been able to hear God if you practice his presence. But I'm in this store, and I like throwing myself under the bus a lot to help you do what I didn't do. And I was saying, Lord, I need you to take me to another place. I'm ready to see some more miracles. I'm ready to do this thing publicly. Because I heard somebody say, if you make history with him in private, he'll make history with you in public. And I've been praying secretly. I'm like, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. So I'm in Disney store. And in walks this lady with a neck brace, like completely neck like. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There she is. And I'm looking behind Mickey like a creep. I'm like, okay, okay, there she is. I'm gonna go pray for her. And I was like, no, I'm not gonna pray for her. And I was like, I'm gonna go pray for her, I'm gonna go. Bro, I walked up to her and I got close to her and I turned as if I was doing something different. And I walked back and I was like, okay, okay, I'm gonna do it 10 seconds. What if she doesn't receive it? What if the brace doesn't come off? What if it makes sense? What if everybody's watching? It doesn't work. This thing's not gonna work. This is my first time doing a big neck in front of everybody. I had a guy, sinuses, all kind of different little things, but this is a big thing. And I said, okay, forget it. I walked up to her and I said, hey, how are you? She's like, I'm doing okay. Like, she can only move her eyes. I'm like, I'm great, you know? And and, I, and, and listen, evangelism, healing, it's all about engaging. And I said, how are you? I said, what happened to you? How did you get? And people love to tell you what happened. She was like, I was in an accident and this happened. Of course, it wasn't her fault. Somebody else hit her. That was her side of the story. And she, her neck started to hurt and, and she had something going on with her spine. And I'm like, wow. And again, two things showed up in that moment. Fear and the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, I felt the presence of God. And when I, not like, <laughs> can, I, can I make this injection? The Holy Spirit isn't weird. It's just the people who carry him that act weird. 
That's why people now are just kind of off put about the Holy Spirit and different things because you're in public and you're like, imagine me being in a Disney store like. The lady, she'd have just been like, I'm gone. But fear showed up, Holy Spirit showed up, and I bowed to one. I just want to be honest. This is what, this is what happened to me. I said, this is what I told the lady. I said, oh, man. I'm going to be praying for you. Don't, don't judge me. This is my story. I'm, being, I'm trying to, I want to help you. You know, why would you do that? At least I went to talk to her. I walked up to her. I said, oh, you know what? Man, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm going to be praying for you. I walked away. And I was like, you know how it is when the Lord tells you to do something, you get right that close to it and you don't do it and you walk and you just feel the way. I'm like, oh, my God, I failed. And then, you know, the enemy's like, eh, I told you we weren't going to do it. You know, I knew you weren't going to do it. You were too embarrassed. You were too embarrassed. And then I was like, forget it. So I'm tearing through this small Disney store. Six, seven. The amount I weigh is none of your business. But I'm tearing through the store, trying to find this lady, and she left. She was gone. But I told myself, that'll never happen to me again. But I'm asking you guys, what do you think that God thinks about the way that we treat the lost? Or the way that we treat the hurting or the, or the sick? Here's a suggestion. If you get a heart for what he has a heart for, we'll do what he tells us to do. You know, in the scriptures, it talks about that Jesus was moved, moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. It comes to a point in my life that when I see lost people, it breaks my heart and I just begin to weep. Now, don't get me wrong, if I'm not at the gas station, I just don't bust out in like these wild tears. But on the inside of my heart, I'm like, these people don't know you. Look at the room, look, look at Reformation. Revival starts with harvest. Because this is what I truly believe that the Lord has a tension with. I need you to hear my heart on this. That he's like, if I keep pouring on people that won't do anything with it, why would I keep pouring? Think. If you keep pouring me a drink and I say, you know, I'm not really thirsty. I'm not really thirsty. I drink but it's none of effect to what happens in my life on the outside. I change, I start tithing, I start doing better, but the ultimate goal is that revival hits, it leaves this room. How does revival leave the room when you leave? How does revival spread when we go? How does community reformation happens when you go home and you look at your neighbor and you knock on your neighbor's door and you have tea with your neighbor, not just to have tea, but to get into their lives and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Some people's like, Lord, I just want word of knowledge. You just got to listen. And in those moments, the Lord would infuse little words that they would say, how in the world did they know that this is what I was thinking? I need you to hear my heart, guys, and, and all over America, they're preaching this thing, and then as I'm, as I'm stirred in my heart, God takes me to Isaiah 61. I've read this scripture for years. Years! How many read this scripture, Isaiah 61? You read it. 
You should read it. I read it for years, but I never got the revelation that I got this time. Let me read it to you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Who is me? Us. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed us to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of faint spirit. Here's where the whole scripture changes. You ready? That they may be called oaks of righteousness. Listen. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up ancient ruins. Listen to this. They shall rise up from former devastation. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. I need you to hear this. In the scriptures, they say, hey, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, the Spirit of the Lord is, the the Lord is upon everybody in this room to anoint us, to heal the brokenhearted, to lift the bow down head, all that. And then the scripture changes so that they, so that they will build up the cities. So the people that we reach, they will go out and do the work. Let me, let me say this. They are waiting on you. The earth is waiting for the sons and daughters to be revealed. What is revealed? To what's right been in front of you the whole time, now they see you. God is waiting on you to do something for them so they can do something for the world. The kingdom of God is, is cyclical. What you do for others, they'll do it for somebody else. But my charge, my charge, my plea, my hope is that you will go back in Mark chapter 10, that you will read Isaiah 61, that you will dive into Matthew and see what Jesus is saying about the lost, about the broken. He speaks about family. He loves family. He speaks about, but he speaks about the lost more than anything else. Let me ask you a question. How many people would say, I want to win souls for Jesus? If that's you, raise your hand. If, how many people would say, this is just honest, we're family. I'm the black cousin you didn't know you had in St. Louis, so we're family. How many people would say, I want to do it and I want to pray for healing, but I just lack boldness? Raise your hand. How many people would say that I want to pray for healing for people and I want to pray for the lost, but I need to be strong in that, but I just want boldness. I don't have it and you lack it. Raise your hand. This is all I want to do. I got another two hours to be with you, then I'm gone. No. I want to pray with you. Because I believe that the Lord wants to egg bolow. He wants to thrust you into the harvest. I mean thrust you into the harvest in such a way that you compel people to come and know Jesus. This is what I want to do. If you feel like, hey, I want to win the lost. I want to pray for the sick. Not in church, 
but I want to be the church and I want to give the church away. And you lack boldness and you want the fire of the Holy Spirit to completely consume your life. And you want to make your own history with God. You don't want to live off my stories. You don't want to live off somebody else's stories, but you want the boldness of God to come on your life. I want you to be bold. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to join me here so we can pray. So if you're in your seat and you raise your hand and say, I want more boldness and I want to do that in public, I want you to come up so we can pray together.